You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie. It is episode 35. I am your host, Mike B. Tank. I am joined by... Mitchell? Is that who you're pointing to? Yeah, okay, right. cool. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Mitchell, <laughs> question mark? This is, this is literally why I told you the order you, ahead of we're time. We're literally on Zoom and you pointed directly at your at camera. The camera. So. <laughs> Dude, yes, that, well, that, Mitchell that was, was on screen. Funny. All right, well, yeah. we've got Mitchell, Frodo, Sam, Andre, Sleepy, Dopey, Doc, and Mike. Just mixed Who dwarves and hobbits. <laughs> Who are you in this mix? I'm either a Frodo or a Sam. It depends on how okay. I'm feeling. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is off to a glorious start. Um, let's just talk about what we're drinking because I, I don't even know where to go after that. Hey, Mitchell, what yeah. are you drinking? I am drinking some homemade cold brew, um, nice. and it is very delicious and very energizing. Nice. Oh, nice. Uh, Jill, what do you got over there? I have an Earl Grey tea, and I cannot tell you who the company is because I don't have the tea bag in front of my face, but it's called Lord Grey, so it might be... Th- no, that's a beer. <laughs> it's an Earl Grey tea because I love Earl Grey. Are we doing phrasing tea bag in front of your face? Like, can we, was, can we do uh, phrasing there? Yes, we can do phrasing. I don't okay. think we'll get sued. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That's great. Tea bag in front of my face. Andre, nice. what are you drinking back there? So, uh, I got myself a tall boy of the Fat Orange Cats Baby Kittens. Double oh, you're drinking the last of them. Yeah, you know, Baby kittens. standing for a special occasion. What so kind my of tea is My tea is Lord Bergamot. Double IPA. By the way, my tea is actually not called Lord Grey. It's Lord Bergamot by Smith Tea Maker. Wait, oh, there you wait. Go. Addendum. I'm reading the tall boy now. It is a hazy New England style IPA. Ooh. I was just going to say, Baby Kittens is not the double. No, it is not. No, but us. it's impressive that I like Baby Kittens because it isn't a double, but I really like Baby Kittens. Mm. That's the thing about hazies. They're a little fruity, you know? You never know what you yeah, might like I don't, about I don't it. need to taste taste the hops i'm okay uh, with that if i, I can like bite into a hop i would that's oh, yeah. what i like about my ipas <laughs> mm-hmm. same here <laughs> but i am not drinking a beer over here i have developed a cocktail last night and i'm sure somebody has created at some point in history but i just decided last night on a drunken binge to create this uh two shots of uncle nearest got a little bit of lemonade okay. and then a splash or two of grenadine over the top so i am calling it a cherry lynchburg lemonade Ooh, wow. Cherry what now? Lynchburg lemonade. Lynchburg lemonade. I'd love cherry to try Lynchburg. some of that. Uh, it is fantastic. Like it doesn't taste like anything, even though there's two shots of alcohol in this bitch. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, Ooh. I'm so, so excited that you've started on your mixology journey. Yes, I love it. It's been fun. Yeah, Andre um, made a flannel shirt and a paper plane for me last week, and both of those were deliciously deadly. Okay, we're we're still talking about cocktails. Or is it, did he just sew a flannel shirt together? <laughs> flannel shirt. It's like it's 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 a bourbon and apple cider drink. It tastes like fall mm. in a cup. It's really okay. good. Nice. Wow. I learned about a, a campfire bonfire, like a, a burning bonfire or something like that. And I'm intrigued to try this. Mm. It's uh cinnamon sticks. You'd burn it, put the glass over the top, and then you make the cocktail, and then it kind of like has that taste. It, has, it infuses the cinnamon. It's yeah, it's bourbon. It's a rum floater. Eventually, there's Whoa. Sunny D in it of all things, oh, and then the cinnamon tw- sticks go over the top of it. Okay, I'm not sure if I'm in on the Sunny D part. Right, I know yeah, it yeah. sounds weird, but I'm hmm. gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. We, like we will have this juice, together. Sunny D. Sunny D. Yes, Ooh. Sunny D. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, we'll try. Final it. final thing on the cocktails. I was watching a Scary Game Squad on YouTube, and they were talking about 
this drink. They called it a starry night and it was Goldschlager and Jaeger because the gold would oh, make like stars. Right. <laughs> that sounds oh so nasty. <laughs> yeah, that one sounds awful. That sounds so horrible. Not for me. Yeah. Well, we have become a cocktail podcast, but really we have some movies to talk about. Uh, Mitchell, you're going to kick us off with probably the most recent movie. I'm just trying to think. Oh, no. No, Jill actually does, technically Technically. speaking. Technically, not technicality. We got the the hits, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we got the hits in the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, guys, I would have been talking about Space Jam, A New Legacy, but um, I am only halfway through it. (laughs) I had to stop. Did you rage quit or did you have to like take a break? No, I I had other things to do. Um, Okay. Okay. (laughs) Clearly watching this movie was not a priority yeah, it, it was Oof. something i was watching as i was cleaning the apartment and then i had to go <laughs> so that's Fair. what that's basically what it was mm. however i did see the movie that was number one at the box office last week and that is black widow and uh, number one at the black box office this week let's just call it what it is now what no space Wait, no, no, no space it. jam beat it space yes. jam beat it all right yeah uh, yeah space jam beat I, it. Oh, that is I think dude, lebron literally just tweeted out to all of his haters that Space Jam is top of the box office this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah but no. I think it's only going to be top of the box office this one weekend. Sure. But. I think that's honestly going to be the trend for movies for the rest of the year. Probably it's going to be a week week by week thing. I'm not sure if we're going to see movies that dominate for a month uh, like we have in the past. Just because mm-hmm. I could stream this. You know, we could, yeah. Yeah. you could stream Black Widow on Disney Plus. You could stream Space Jam on HBO Max. Well, that's why so. I was kind of surprised that. Uh, Space Jam beat it was because I figured people were streaming that versus I you know agree. going to the theater. Now, granted, it was only 32 so far, 32 million for Space Jam, mm-hmm. and Black Widow had a historic drop off after week one. However, really? however, yeah, like over 80% cut. But let's get into the movie. I love yes. the logistics of it all, I love the box office numbers, but beyond the uh figures that it earned globally and on Disney Plus, I'll say this. I thought this thing was pretty successful and I'm not going to say that it is a top tier Marvel movie, but damn, it felt so good to watch an MCU flick back in a movie theater mm. like Kevin Feige intended. Oh, so this, uh, I know it was so fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I love Loki, WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier. They're fun. Marvel is still definitely finding its footing with telling, you know, episodic television stories. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what they're doing when you're watching something on the big screen. So this is a long overdue solo flick for Scarlett Johansson as the character Natasha Romanoff as Black Widow. And this is set right after Captain America Civil War for those who were interested to see where this fell in the timeline because, spoilers, she's already dead in the main timeline for what? the MCU. I know. I'm sorry. Died? Oh. It's a two-year-old spoiler at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but she is alive and kicking a lot of ass. Uh, the first half of the movie is basically looking at the relationship that she has with her family. That includes David Harbour and Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz. They did not. Uh, go cheap when it came to rounding out this cast and they have what I thought were some of the more I don't know I I thought a well-balanced and let me just say this I'm only talking about the first half when I'm blowing up this movie for how good it is Uh, they have Mm -hmm. a good mixture of great action chase sequences 
and they have a great mixture of family dynamics. And that when Marvel is able to capture both of those things in the same movie, that's when they soar. Then you have the second half where Mitchell's eyes glaze over oh, no. and everything goes boom really quick. Uh... And it's one of the things, it's, it's something that I hold against almost every Marvel movie where the stakes are so big with the action it's one, kind of hard to follow, and two, it's just so boring because when everything's blowing up, nothing feels necessarily important anymore. Right. And um, it, it kind of looked cheap. That's my biggest <laughs> gripe against Black Panther 2, which is my wow. favorite. Wait, it, look, it looked cheap? It looked cheap. The same way that the third act action sequences in Black Panther look cheap. Ooh, wow. that's Ooh. a, and uh, I was agree a, with that you a on PS2 that. PS2 right. for a little bit there. No. Yeah. Mitchell, can you clarify when you is it just the over the top bombastic explosions or is it actually when the camera is focused in on a hand to hand fight scene? No. So the hand to hand is fine. Um, now, granted, they do the MCU thing where they just hypercut everything. But oh, yeah, th that's a that's a style choice at this point, which yeah. I think works in certain cases. And like I said, the first half, I thought the uh, fight sequences were great. There was a lot of cutting. However, I felt the impact when Florence Pugh was punching Scarlett Johansson. I could feel that, you know, like all of those different things. The chase sequences I thought were so well choreographed. The opening of the movie might be the best part where mm. it starts. This is not a spoiler at all, but it starts um, in Natasha Romanoff's childhood and where she grew up. And basically the uh, big moment that um, sparked this trajectory of her life when she would uh, go and become Black Widow. Do we um, finally get to see what she saw in Age of Ultron all those years ago? Um, Not really. Uh, that okay. This scene takes place before all of that. Got and, it, okay. And I'm not sure if you necessarily need to see it. The idea is, um, you know, again, not spoiling anything here, but her sister is played by Florence Pugh, and mm -hmm. she goes through the same thing. However, Scarlett Johansson gets out, Florence stays in, and there's a lot of resentment there. So I think they do a fairly good job within the first 10 minutes of setting the table in that way. Like, hey, here are the emotional dynamics between her and her father, her and her sister, her and her mother, um, mm -hmm. and he, off we're running. So um, up until the end, again, with all the action sequences, I thought this was a worthy uh, solo story. Um, it was almost kind of like a throwback to phase one Marvel movies where mm. there wasn't, you know, it wasn't burdened with the idea of we have to push the overall MCU narrative forward. We're just telling this Black Widow story. And that was kind of refreshing. Now, granted, I wish this came out five years ago, right. like yeah. after Civil War came yeah. out. Right. You know, you know, at the uh, that scene in Endgame, that ham fisted girl power moment at the oh, final God. battle. Yeah, yeah, yep. I need Mar no man. <laughs> what Marvel was going for there, they actually accomplished in this movie in oh, a legitimate nice. okay. way. Where it's not it's, clunky. It's not clunky at all because you're letting the characters lead the way. This is a natural story between two sisters in many different ways. This is a uh, female directed movie in Kate Shoreland. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, well, the showrunner for WandaVision, I'm blanking on her name, Jack Schaefer, I believe it is. Uh, she was a story by credit in this film as well. So there was a lot of female storytelling in this that was very legitimate as Joe's yeah, it was friend Jack is Schaefer. joining us on the Zoom. <laughs> what was that? that was oh, my Sophie. goodness. Oh, Sophie. Oh, we should have been talking about 
I don't know, like Godzilla versus Kong right there. Like, I know, that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, on across the over the computer. He's a, she's a big black. She's a big uh, MCU fan. So, so it is anyway, Jack Schaefer, by the way. Jack Schaefer, yes. yes. Um, so anyway, um, I have nothing to say, but really good things about it. It's outside of my top 10 for MCU movies because we have done MCU talk before in that regard. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's definitely better than something like Captain Marvel. Or wow, okay. um, I would say better than Doctor Strange, you know. Well, and I'm just- that's interesting because as soon as you said it, it was like a throwback to Phase One, I immediately thought Captain Marvel. You know, it's like that's that's kind of what I thought when I was watching it. So well, keep in mind, is that better than that in your head? Well, oh, do you remember Andre okay. that when we did our epic Marvel rewatch, you and I both walked out of Captain Marvel saying it was much better than we first gave it. I did like it better on a rewatch um, for sure. Gave it a first pass. That's still a good sign, though. That like I'm, I'm still kind of been. I haven't seen Black Widow yet, so yeah, um, yeah. I think I, the question. Oh, sorry, Michelle, go for it. No, I was just gonna say, as much as I could highly recommend it, when it comes to the MCU, look at the end of the day, it's mid tier, and that yeah. is just a testament for how good the MCU has done over the past ten years. Right. My big uh, question that I have for you, Mitchell, is. Is it too little too late for like for this film where it's like this is it's really great to see it, but what is it what does it add? Or it's like no, it doesn't matter that maybe it's five years too late. It's we're happy to have this included in the Marvel MCU canon. Yeah, I think in a perfect world they made they would have made this movie five years ago. And I think that's when we could honestly have this storytelling capture the moment in the best way possible. At the end of the day, this is still a very enjoyable movie. And almost like a throwback to a James Bond flick where it's a part of a greater story. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's about that film's mission and that film's characters. And then we get to move on to something else. So, and I'm not saying that Marvel should do this all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. Shang-Chi's coming out. I doubt it's going to deal with anything that's multiverse heavy. Um, From what I've heard, it's going to take place during the blip. So uh, it looks like at least for right now, Marvel is just trying to tell character-driven movies, um, unless we're talking about these big events that the Disney Plus series is setting up. Well, and um, I think that's also because of the relaunch of the characters. Since we do lose some of the faces and everything like that, they want to mm-hmm. branch out to different characters, of course, because... Right. We have to reset the table again, basically. Exactly. We have to, yeah, yeah and that's, this gets us for four more movies. Absolutely. And you know what? I'll say this before I give my rating. The ultimate, the lasting legacy of this film is going to be twofold. Uh, one, David Harbour is just so funny, and I just love <laughs> watching him be like anything he wants to be on screen. He has this great balance except for between, Hellboy. except for help, but that's a tough one. Uh, for <laughs> for this Red Guardian role that he plays, it is just so much fun to see a guy sink his teeth into a role where he knows he's a comic book character. He knows he's supposed to be over the top and uh, have this kind of fantastical point of view that he is the Russian Captain America. And then at the same time, have an emotional conversation with the person who I thought was the best part of this movie. And that is Florence Pugh. Um, I'm hearing a lot of. I've heard that too. Yeah. So I've been a show. She is fantastic. I've been a fan of hers. I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but her performance is fantastic in Midsommar. Um, She was fantastic in Little Women. I believe she earned an Oscar nomination for that role as well. Mm -hmm. And here she is in a Marvel movie, uh, kicking ass alongside Scarlett Johansson. So she plays Yelena Belova, who is the sister of Natasha, and she is a Black Widow as well. She has all the same skill sets, just a little bit younger, 
and has a different experience of going through the red room than Natasha did. Uh, very, uh, one very key difference, which is basically the big plot point in the movie. Uh, I will give that away. However, this movie definitely has a box to check in terms of introducing her into the MCU, making mm-hmm. audiences care about her because she's going to be in the Hawkeye series. That's already been confirmed. And I would not doubt that she's going to continue to be in more Marvel projects beyond that. And she is so much fun to watch. Nice. I was, I was going to ask you that. I held back because I was thinking, eh, do we want to spoil it that much just in case you haven't seen it? But I mean, it, it feels obvious at this point that she's going to be involved. And yeah. Especially you bringing up the Hawkeye, of course, but it feels even further stretching than that, too. Yeah. Whenever I mean, Marvel did such a good job in just getting talent, especially phase three and on. I mean, getting Benedict Cumberbatch to be Doctor Strange, you know, they're going after A-list people. Right. to be these heroes and Florence Pugh is definitely one of them. She may not be A-list yet, but she's definitely on the way. Yeah. Well, what's interesting talking about that is for the, I guess like a press tour for what they're doing with Loki, there's been a lot of Tom Hiddleston interviews and there was a good one. I think he did it for Variety. Sorry, I'm trying to like put my phone back and with my feet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he did it, I think it was for Variety where he did, instead of, you know, him looking at his career, He was just looking at his journey from the beginning of Loki to the show Loki and talking about how Marvel really was at the time still is, as we can see, taking chances on relatively no name actors and giving them this incredible key to a massive kingdom. And look at them now, like. Who knew who, who knew who Chris Hemsworth was before Thor came out? Captain Kirk's dad. Yeah. Yeah, that was okay. it. That was it. Besides that one time, yep. Which he is was like Captain Kirk dead. Five yeah. minutes, and then he blows up. Um, and then uh, Tom Hiddleston, if you were outside of, uh, if you were not a BBC fan, right. you probably didn't recognize him. And now, you know, some of the biggest actor, biggest stars in the world. And I love Florence Pugh. Uh, Pugh? 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 Yep. Pugh? Yeah. Pugh, Pugh. she's she's a fantastic actress i loved her in little woman she definitely deserved her nomination because her character in the book is probably one of the more whiny ones so to make that Mm. character actually like likable is an impressive feat yeah so um marvel keeps um racking up the w's and i'll say this again mid-tier and you guys know how i rate things so Mm -hmm. don't take this as a slight at all for people who really enjoyed this movie but I'm going to give Black Widow a very solid two and a half Taskmasters. And I didn't even talk about Taskmasters. I was about to say. Yeah, like, yeah we didn't know. hear anything about the villain. <laughs> Taskmasters is more of a punching, not a punching bag, but just like a fighting thing. I wouldn't okay. even call Taskmaster a character, unfortunately. Um, gotcha. That's okay. definitely one of the weaker points of the film as well. That's a bummer for me. But yeah, but, <laughs> two, but two and a half. Okay. Okay. All right. Jill, that brings us to you, uh, and you have a couple movies to tell us about. Yeah, so I didn't intend to talk about a trilogy, but it just kind of worked out that way. Um, If you are a Netflix subscriber or have a screen that's connected to the internet, you probably have seen advertisements for the new Fear Street trilogy. They came out over the last three weeks. So part one is uh, Fear Street 1994. The second part is Fear Street 1978. And then the most recent and final entry in the trilogy is Fear Street 
1666. I just um, watched part one yesterday, actually. Oh, so cool. yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, they're based off of the Fear Street horror, um, teen horror series by R.L. Stein. Um, massive giant series. I remember when I was really young and my sister would go, we would go to the library, she would be busy in the teen section, and I would just look at the covers of these books. I never actually read any of them. Um, and they were all directed by the same person. Let me get the name. Uh, Lee uh, Janik. Cannot, I'll take not it. sure if I'm not Janik. I'll take it. Sounds yeah. right. She yeah. did a great job. Um, and it, it helped that it was one director. So very consistent in style. Um, I don't want to say too much because it's very quickly to snowball into spoilers. But if you are a fan of horror films, oh, um, meta horror films, you like a little gore, you like a lot of camp, these are the films for you. The first film is a love letter to the, you know, the Scream era of films. Mm -hmm. You've got the masked somebody coming at you with a knife. Uh, Fear Street Part 2 is a throwback more to summer camp horrors. So I... Um, not uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th. I was going to say Cabin Fever, but no, not Cabin no, Fever. No, not Cabin Fever. <laughs> <laughs> Friday the 13th. Um, and then part three is definitely the most, avant-garde is not the right word, but it is definitely the one with the most style. And if you were a fan of The Witch, this is the, and it's this is actually my favorite entry now, part three. Um, it's done in that style. And it's got a fantastic cast. A lot of, Unwreck to me, uh, new talent. Um, I think the most in my the, the of the names of the of the, of the actors that stood out, it was Sadie Sink who plays Max in the very popular Stranger Things, also on Netflix. But yeah, this is a really great cast. It's fantastically acted. It's diverse too, so you really like feel that as if these are real characters. Their choices and their actions make sense in the world that they have established, and the mystery is really good too. I would say if there had to be nitpicks or criticisms, part two is very good, but probably 15 minutes too long. When your franchise is over 330 minutes long, um, those extra minutes start to add up. They feel like a lot of weight. But I think Netflix did the smart thing by actually releasing them each week rather than all at once or making this one massive multi-hour experience um and you can watch and watch one one of the uh, hour and 45 minute long epi episodes films put it down think about it come back the next night and go into part two so i yes. would say definitely a watch if you are a little worried about how gory there are they are there is blood there is gore there is guts it is not a um grinder grind fest like saw or yeah. hostile, but if you are a little squeamish around those type of things, it's there. Yeah, I'm not, this is not a PG horror series. This is definitely PG thirteen approaching on R. They love their foul language in these series in these films. Agreed. <laughs> so yeah, I can't believe that Sadie Sink was the big name you gave. I mean, yes, she is a big uh, name. I guess Maya Hawk. Okay, Maya Hawk too. Oh, yeah, but Jillian Jacobs. Oh yeah. Except yes. uh, I don't really know who what Jillian Jacobs is from. Community, come on. Which Community. I haven't watched. <laughs> but she's been in everything. She's been in a lot of different things. I'm yep. just going to pull her up now. But uh, the let's first go through Hot Tub Time Machine. Haven't seen it. Don't think twice. Haven't seen it. She's in Invincible. I've seen that, but she's it's only invincible. a voice actor. Oh, who does she voice in? in I don't she know. Oh, she's Adam Eve. Adam yeah. Eve. Yep. Oh, 
Oh, okay, yeah. She was in those Diet Coke commercials about the yurt. Yeah. Do you want to live in a yurt? Go live no. in a yurt. Have you yeah. ever been in a yurt? Yurts suck. I have not been in a yurt. I don't <laughs> want to be in a yurt, but I'm just pointing it out. Okay. That she, she was the person in that. I have gone, I have, I have skimmed her filmography on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have seen any of the films that she is in. You need to get on community. Wow. You just need to do it. You do I? Because now yes. at this point, it's like yes. how I feel about yeah. Hunger Games. Everyone's like, oh, you should watch it. I'm like, mm. How no, you Hunger Games get mixed into this? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like you, need, you need community, not Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can watch it together, Jill. It'll be great. I've heard of the movie Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Is that the one with Steve Carell? Yep. Yeah. And who's Keira the Knightley, one? Adam Brody. Yes. At, uh, Adam Keira Brody. Knightley. Hey, we're yeah. bringing it back to uh, <laughs> Adam Brody. Adam Brody. <laughs> so, Jill, oh with, these, with these movies being based on R.L. Stein books, which yeah. obviously were intended for children and like an introductory to the horror genre, at least for me. Um, do you feel like these movies up the scare level a little bit or did it match what you had expected from the books? So keep in mind, I never read the Fear Street series. I did read um, Goosebumps, like most tri- most children or- yeah. um, that, And for me, it was Goosebumps. I didn't read Fear Street either. I would say that it, it definitely helps that they are not trying to aim this at a target audience of like tweens. They know that their, their, their target audience is 18 and up. They know 17 and 16 year olds are watching this, but they don't care. Um, yeah, I think they do a really good job. I think if you are a fan of horror films, you can kind of see where the thing is, where it's going to go, but there are some good, um, good kills. There's, this is not really a jump scare fest. Gotcha. Yeah. I did. The only other thing that I can think of to say is that, they do try to set uh, the first two parts, 1994 and 1978, clearly are period pieces from the recent mm-hmm. past. 16, uh, the last entry, 1666, is, you know, deep yeah. period piece. My one other complaint besides maybe the length is that 1994 has a lot of anachronisms that really annoyed me. What do you <laughs> like mean? a character is using AOL. Ooh. In Ooh. what year was it? 1994. Yeah, it didn't come yeah. Until 96. And it was like it was a, a big chat room. deal too. Like that was a big deal too. It was yeah. an important plot. It's an, I, I don't want to say it's a super important plot point, no, but it but establishes that a character is genre savvy. Yeah. Um, and it's like I don't think, I don't think huh. computers could do that. And if they could, you could definitely not afford one. Yeah, I definitely so. didn't think that way. But yeah, that's definitely yeah. <laughs> it that was annoys just me a now. little distracting. Yeah. And. From there, I just couldn't unsee it. And then the, you know, the really good soundtrack, but also it's songs that the came songs, out after yeah, 1994. Not, yeah, yeah, that yeah. bugged me more, but I did like the soundtrack. I did think it, that was very good. It ha- You know, if the, the worst thing I can say is that this movie has its own distinct style and just leans right into it. Mm-hmm. You know what? Better to have a unique style, even if it might have anachronisms, than no style at all and be very bland. Yeah. Uh, what would you say rating wise then for the entire series? For the entire series, I would say 4.3 Seraphir hands. Okay. The Seraphir hands. 4.3. <laughs> that's really high. Yeah. No, I actually yeah. really enjoyed it. You know, it is it once again, it helped that I could watch it each week rather than all in one go. And yeah. it really worked. It helps that these characters are all so likable and the way that they're utilized makes you care. Mm-hmm. Even though the other actor, the same actor might be playing a different character in a different time period. They do their homework. They lay down the groundwork and foundation for why you should care about these characters in one time period. And then mm-hmm. they find a way to bring 
in these connections to make you care about a different character that the same actor might be playing in a different time period and it still resonates. So. Do you um, need to watch all three to really appreciate it? Or can I just watch the 1666 one? Because that sounds the most interesting. That's a really good question. I actually was thinking about like, could you start, could you, depending on when you jumped into 1666, could you just watch it? You should at least see part one. Part two, if it had to be skipped, could be skipped. You will miss out in meeting two characters in particular. But to really appreciate why 1666 hit so hard, you mm. need to see the story in part one. Gotcha. Good to know. But part one's really good. So it starts off well. It's not like, oh, all right, episode one was rough. Maybe it'll get better in episode or film two. And to be I honest, enjoy I'm, part one. I'm not going to watch this now because I often hoard horror movies for October. Uh, yeah. Um, mm. And I, th I feel like this is going to be a weekly viewing experience for me come October and I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I would totally watch these again in October if Andre wants to. Hmm. Okay. I, I've been trying to get Claire because I think she she would actually like that. She doesn't like horror movies, but I think she would like this. Yeah. It's the they they what's the word? They advertise when gore is gonna happen pretty you know there's a few like oh my but like you, you know, know. You, yeah. you, you, they, they, they do the camera around a room. You can kind of figure out, oh, I think that item is going to come into play momentarily or something like that. That'll bring us to Andre. Andre, tell us about what you have been watching. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a few weeks old at this point, but uh, Jill and I watched uh, Pixar's Luca uh, nice. on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> and <laughs> look at Mitchell's face in the Zoom call. <laughs> it looks so adorable, and I heard it's such a wonderful movie. And I hope that you guys don't dunk on it right now because I'm no, really looking forward to not, watching it. This it is fucking not... sucks, and I hate it. Pixar <laughs> sucks. And, oh. It is delightful, and I yeah. do like the way that it is animated. Even though the style does just make me wish it was stop motion animation because it looks like it now. Yeah. Yeah, oh. uh, no, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like I'm saying we're saying this with every single Pixar release at this point, but it, it this movie looks impeccable. I If they ever do a rerun or like a re-release in theaters, I would love to go see it in theaters because it too. just looks nice. absolutely gorgeous. Um, uh, so real quick, it's just Jill and I that, that, that have seen it, right? Correct. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. So off the top, um, I, I really, really, really enjoy this movie. Uh, this is not like... Uh, this is not going to be like a super like earth shattering film or, you know, like it's not going to be like world changing or super unique. Um, it doesn't really rank up there for me for like the all time Pixar greats like Wally -E or Toy Story, Toy Story 3, that kind of echelon. But honestly, this was just such a, a, a nice, warm, comforting movie to watch. Uh, and I really, really dug it. Um, nice. Just off the bat, it's a uh, so I guess high level. The movie is about uh, a group of sea monsters. So the whole conceit is that is this takes place in uh, Italy. I think in like what out of time, like 1950s, 1960s. Yeah. Italy. Um, and there are sea monsters that live near this port side town called Porto Rosso. Uh, and uh, the whole concept is that the fish, the, or the, 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 the port town is, they're all, they're, they're basically sea 
see sea monsters are like they're they're all hunting for them right um mm-hmm. they're all kind of like that's kind of the culture of is like oh there's reports of sea monsters around and there's a you know that that's the conceit and all the sea monsters live underneath they don't interact with humans at all it's a little bit like finding nemo and that whole like you stay away from the boats you don't interact with humans at all it's kind of a forbidden thing to go to the surface i touch um, the butt Right. Yeah. The whole opening 20 minutes is very that Um, it focuses on our titular character, Luca, who is a sea monster living in a small, breezy town underwater. He's kind of a little he's 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 very curious. He wants to go to the surface kind of uh, again, draws a lot of like literally it's like Little Mermaid meets uh, Finding Nemo at first. And so I wasn't super engaged at first, but uh, it quickly kind of as soon as uh, Luca meets his uh his 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 number one compadre alberto he it, it gets way more engaging alberto is uh maybe like one or one year older one or two years older than luca kind of tries to play it off like he's a really worldly guy knows what he's doing and he basically gets luca to crack out of his shell and 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 come to the surface and hang out on their own little deserted island um and it's very it's very charming you know it's if any like it's just a really solid friendship story about boyhood and growing up. Um, and yeah, I mean, so basically the main crux of it is that uh, Luca and, and Alberto dream of a one day getting a Vespa to try to ride around and, and, and ride into the stars because they try to make their own makeshift, uh, makeshift Vespa, Vespa on their own deserted Island. And they're like, well, if we go to Puerto Rosso and, uh, and, and see like the city of Vespas, we can get our own and we can get off this planet and, and, and ride in the sky. And it's all very charming. Um, and I don't know, uh, that's kind of the main, uh, that's the main point of them going to the port town. And, uh, it, I don't know. I I don't want to get too bogged down in the narrative, but uh, it's just it, it, this movie. The narrative beats are not super surprising at all. I will say that I appreciate that it does not have the tried the, the the tropey twist villain. As soon as the villain shows up on screen, you know it's the villain, and you absolutely you absolutely hate, hate his guts. Ercole Visconti. Everybody everybody's name is just every. I don't know. It's they're also Italian. Over they're Italian, still Italian. Yeah. Super charming. Um, I mean, so I would say probably about most of the cast is not Italian. So uh, it's kind of interesting to see them try to try to pronounce their their names or whatever. I don't know how authentic it is, but um, still, it's it's just it's it's all very over the top. Uh, Julia, the the human girl that uh, Alberto and Luca befriend, she's always like exclaiming in, in different pastas, like you know, I don't know. It's it's, it's like Santa, um, Santa Rigatoni or something yeah, exactly. like that. You know, like I think they go through most of them by the end. And this all sounds <laughs> cheesy and over the cheesy and a little bit much, but honestly, just with the way everything looks, especially the water effects, holy moly! Um, so the main thing is that uh, it, or with the sea monsters, Luca and Alberto, as soon as they get wet. They or so as soon as they go uh, outside the water, they 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 turn human basically, right? They look like normal humans. But if any water gets on them, their scales start showing up again. They look like sea monsters. So uh, the whole tension is them trying to blend in with the human crowd, the the, the human culture, and everything like that. Uh, but the the effect of water touching their skin and as they're jumping in and out of the ocean, it just it looks incredible. I just wanted to break it down like frame by frame, and it just it all looks great. Nice. Yeah. It also sounds great. So I love a Pixar soundtrack. Mm, This one, I I like Soul, but this was probably one of the better scored Pixar films, in my opinion, since um, Coco and Inside Out. 
Okay. The soundtrack to this film is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I listened to it the day after the follow or a couple days later and it resonates still. You feel, you know, as Andre was saying, it's a small, it's a smaller scale story. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not what if feelings had feelings, you know, what if toys had feelings, you know, it's, Closer to a Miyazaki film, if, which is what not... What if sea monsters had feelings? It's, if... it's not even that, though. It, <laughs> right. It, what I was trying to say is it's it's similar to a smaller scale story in a Miyazaki or a Ghibli story. It's a, this is Ghibli actually film. a love letter to Ghibli yes, films, and that's right? Not a mis- and that's not an accidental that's not co- hidden connection. At all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. P- Porto Rosso. Porto Rosso, come on. Porco Rosso. Yeah. <laughs> this film by Ghibli. Uh, Julia, um, basically, Julia is Kiki from Kiki's Delivery. No, Service. she's Tombo. Well, right, Tombo. Right, right. She's sorry. wearing yeah, 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 his yeah, yeah. outfit. Yes, but also just like that, like her entrance, though, right? It's just straight out of Kiki, right? Like, it's. When she comes zooming down on the yes. bike. Yeah, oh, yes. yeah. In her, the way that she is sitting on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Anyways, continue on, Joel. Yes, yeah, no, exactly. Just, just it, it was such a really like the, the great film, but the fact that the soundtrack and the score is so fan- phenomenal pushes yeah. it into a whole other tier. Um, this is definitely not the worst Pixar has ever done. Oh my, no! <laughs> far more. This is not the the good dinosaur. This is no. I mean, the good dinosaur is also too. not good. Um, it's not the good. It's not Cars Two. It's not even it's better than brave you know right it's it's oh, just brave. a really really sweet story that i think a lot of pretty much anyone can resonate even if you are not a sea creature or italian no, or yeah, if but... you ever wanted a vespa <laughs> i know it's hard to look at me and just and see this but i i really wanted brave to succeed better than it did <laughs> i thought brave was going to be great until someone's like oh you don't know know yeah. what bears bears you mean Boo from Monsters mean? Inc., who is now the witch? A witch. Yeah. The time Does this fit Boo? into the Pixar theory in any way? I it's have kind of... not clicked into yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. I'll seen... have to rewatch it and see in the background. No, if you once you've watched the film, Google it. People have already tried to figure out where it falls in the timeline. I think it's supposed to be after Wally and Eve rebuilt the world. God. What? Oh. What? What? I don't, dude. The, it's <laughs> well, so look. If you watch Wally at the end of it, you've seen the mo- ending montage. Yes, I have. Yeah. Where it does. Yeah, it's definitely the future. Oh. And if you're well, saying it's 1950s and this is the future, like yeah, what? right. Luca, it's future 1950s. I think, I think that timeline. makes sense because it's before monsters take over, and oh. I can see this as sea monsters kind of being that bridge. Maybe. Right. But the th- the main thing is is that the sea monsters the sea monsters don't live off of fear right they don't they don't use no, no, scare no, 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 energy no, no, no. right and now you've got the new monsters inc they're, universe they're show just hanging out laugh energy and then here's the thing i kind of look total tangent but i forgot that i i didn't realize that so like the sea monsters they just eat fish too right so there's a there's a little um there's a little section where uh julia the human friend introduces luca and alberto to her father who's a fisherman right um oh my gosh what is her father's name uh massimo oh i love massimo anyways oh. he's very he's like a very stern large guy he has a hook for a hand and he's supposed to be very intimidating he's a total softy though he's one of my favorite characters in the film um his cat machiavelli and their cat is named machiavelli it's so cute wow. um anyway so massimo takes out like he's like we need fish we need we need he he, he sell like that's his main source of income and they're like we need, we need fish in order to save up for the race in order to try to get the vespa so he takes alberto out swimming or out um uh, fishing rather and i thought there was gonna be some big moral quandary be like oh no he's gonna have to tell 
he's going to tell Massimo where all of his friends are and they're going to kill him. And then like Alberto's like, yep, they're right over there. And I'm like, oh, they're treating them like livestock. Got it. Never mind. I, that was a disconnect on my part, not the movie's fault. But there was a very, there's a very real moment there where I was like, wow, it's going to get pretty dark. So the theory that I'm finding with, and this is not a spoiler, is that because Luca and Alberto are sea monsters, that's the connection to the monsters unit, the Monsters Inc. universe. So late mm. after Wally rebuilds the world. Well, I'll have to give it another rewatch in order to see how it how this fits into the great Pixar canon. Um, but for now, honestly, Luca, I, I haven't, I have trouble saying it's like a super landmark movie, like some of Pixar, other Pixar's other films are, but it's absolutely a great watch and just a really great feel good movie. And it's a solid story about boyhood. Um, so nice. on that note, I will give it, hmm, I think 3.25, hmm, Machiavelli is out of five. Oh, such a cute cat. I love Machiavelli cat. Very, very good cat. <laughs> there you have go. you guys, have you, has anyone else in the room who's seen um, Call Me By Your Name? I have not. Wait, 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 wait. You mean the, the, uh, the Timothy Chalet yep. and, Timothy Cannibal Chalamet Harmer and, and Cannibal Hammer? And Cannibal Guy. Yeah. And Cannibal Army, Hammer. And Army Hammer, that's right. Um, just because this movie has drawn a lot of comparisons with it uh, because of it's set in Italy, it's set in the not too distant past, I guess if we're using our Earth timeline, it being the 1950s, Call Me By Your Name is in the 80s, I believe. Yeah. Um, and it's about, in that case, it was about a romantic a romance, uh, right. romance developing between two male characters. In this case, it sounds like this is a friendship between this two This is male absolutely, characters. yeah. And so Jill this, and I were kind of having this conversation where looking at the poster and looking at the pre-release trailer. Oh, it's the trailer. trailer. It was trailer, the trailer. Yeah, you, you definitely can, like, if you if you watch the trailer for Luca, you could definitely, I could definitely see a narrative where Luca and Alberto are uh, coded to, to be romantic with, like, in a romantic relationship, is- I guess. But, like... What's up? Jeff? I was just yes. Yeah, so can to close on that, but they're just even though that they themselves are not actually coded to be queer, there is queer undertones to this film, even without the characters actually being queer. You know, Luca is inter is you know interested in the human world, but told to stay away from it because it's dangerous. So the fear of the unknown, and then when they're up there, they have to not be who they really are because they need to blend in with the yes, humans. Yes, there, there is actually There's, a lot of yeah. a lot of language yeah. that you could inter- interpret as in- trans or intersexual for sure. With the with that whole like hiding yourself and having to having to conceal yourself and the, whatever. I don't want to spoil the end of the movie, but definitely when when characters talk like that, you can definitely get those tones for sure. But as for like the main two characters, I definitely don't get that vibe that they're romantically interested in each other at yeah, all. They, they don't you're, need you're to just be. A, like, yeah, and I yeah. don't think it needs to be. No, I think it's a, there. There is a genuine love between those two characters that's very heartwarming, but it's not a romantic love. I don't think so. Nice. Um, gotcha. That being said, I'm definitely open to a story that's like that. This is I don't know. This this is made by a company that's we're that's still not sure. Would they always put out headlines like, "Whoa, like this is the first." gay character in a Pixar movie. And it's and really I feel like, like the ace. That. And it's like, okay, they're like, they only show on screen for like two seconds or something like that. Well, Disney lives, is, like there was a hilarious article on the Mary Sue about, not Luca, I can't remember what, uh, maybe it was from Cruella, um, where it was like, Disney announces its first openly gay character. And the article was saying like, join the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> Disney yeah. can't well, no, seem to keep a, track. Oh. No, he was openly gay. gay. Yeah, he was um, openly. That's what it was. Yeah, the, 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 wasn't there a character in Onward? They said, "Oh yeah, that police officer." 
she has a girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And they they really they 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 really they're really happy to announce when there is a gay character, but it's like, why did you give us a neon sign for something that we, we would need a magnifying glass? Yeah, right. To to notice. It yeah. can't why do they have to be defined as they're gay? It's, it's yeah, they're this person and they happen to have a husband. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I guess that brings it to me. It yeah. does. The big moment. Yes. Right. Let me well, hear it. So uh, we put out a poll, and I'm never going to suggest that again, because that did not go well for me at all. <laughs> uh, you guys voted. You wanted me to talk about the bad movie. Jill and I have an arrangement of if we lost, it would be the next bad movie. So Jill has picked out for me, Bratz, the movie. Woo! And we're not Thank talking about the animated that. Bratz, because they did make some animated movies. They're like hour-long specials, you know, like the Barbie movies that seem to keep getting released and everything like that. This is the live-action Bratz movie. Um, talk about it. Talk about it. Oof. Uh, I say, Mike, what, what is your connection to the Bratz? Yeah, right. Dolls? Are you a big Bratz Yeah, head? yeah. Were you, did you ever play with one? Did you ever even touch one? You know, I what, think what? I was too old for Bratz. Yeah, like, Bratz was, like, out of our childhood. Yeah, yeah. Bratz was, like, the weird follow-up to Barbie, right? Yes. Like, like yeah. I can admit openly, like, I've played with a Barbie or two before. I never owned them, but I've played with them before. Sure. Brad's doll was never on my radar except for my young cousins had one of them. And I think they all had Sasha, but I'm not sure. I didn't even tell you which one that was. Yeah. Uh, so, well, our four characters are Yasmin, Chloe, Sasha, and Jade. Mm. Yasmin is Hispanic and is a very good singer, but is also stage fright. Uh, Chloe is an excellent soccer player, but is also a klutz. Sasha is a cheer wants to be a cheerleader and her parents are divorced they made a point of that uh and jade is the asian girl who has overbearing parents and all she wants to do is be really smart at science but also really good at fashion so if that yeah. sounds like any of you good luck with that, that sounds like a cheat <laughs> the jade sounds like a cheetah girl character a little bit, yeah. She Combined is, into two people. She's two very people much, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, my, my, Mike, there's a big name actor in this movie, too. There's there a few. is. Oh, I will get to it. There, there is a gigantic name. Yes. Uh, yes. Don't worry. I will get to it. And I want to know which one you think is the gigantic actor, because uh, you say there's a few, Jill. There is definitely not a few. <laughs> there is one <laughs> there, big name. There's yeah. two. Maybe two. Okay. Uh, I definitely know the one. I, I'm curious who the two is. Well, yeah, I don't know no, no, who number two is, yeah. I, I'm curious who number two is as well. Um, we talked about them. Okay. Well, I mean, we have John Voight. I'm going to get yes. to John Voight. <laughs> yes! The Voight in the room. <laughs> the Voight in the room. Um, don't worry. I've got notes on all of this. I've got a huge list of notes, so let's just do it. Let's dive um, in. My first note is not a chance any of these girls are in high school. It is nope. that definite trope of, like, these are mid-20s girls playing high school characters. I don't like, know. 2007, one of the actresses was born in 1992. So how old would they have been in 2007? They would uh, have been 15. 15, yeah. So she would have been in high school. All right. Wow. But the rest. That was Yasmin. I mean, Yasmin? Okay. Okay. The one who played Chloe definitely was older than 15. She was born in 1986. 86? Yeah. Okay. So, and Jade was 88. Okay. Also born older. in 88. And then Sasha, Sasha was 89. Yes. So one of them was 
appropriately well, aged. The funny thing is, that's the one I would have guessed was definitely not a high schooler, <laughs> which is sad for her. Um, so the wow. movie starts with like Yasmin like waking up and she immediately jumps on the computer to Skype her friends. And you can tell they're four besties. They've been friends forever. They will always be friends forever. Everything is bubble gum and candy. Um, they Skype every day to pick out outfits and like show each other what they're wearing, I guess. Such high maintenance. Yeah, so that, that started. Um, Yasmin is Hispanic, like I said before. She like goes to her house and just to drive home that she's Hispanic, there is a mariachi band in her kitchen. Like a full mariachi what? band. As you do. There, there's like, like they have the, the hats, they have the look, they have the guitars. Like, like is and that, the, I, I'm sorry, I don't like, is there like, are they just, is that, that's her family or they just have a... They don't address it ever again. Okay. There is a mariachi band in her kitchen and like they're tuning their instruments. That is what it is. Like, like is that her origin family? story? Is that her family's a traveling mariachi band and that's how I, she got I her don't musical know. chops? A descendant okay. of uh main character from Coco, whose name I'm blanking on. Uh, maybe? Well, that's the opposite of the, uh, well, I guess. Well, no, at right the away. end when he learns. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Anyways. So um, we also meet uh, Booby. Booby. <laughs> Booby. No, Booby? it is Booby. It's not oh, pronounced. Booby. It is Booby, Booby. Uh, who is played by Lainey Kazan, who is also the mother in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. She's number two, the other Paul, slightly famous person. Yes, she is the slightly famous person. I would not go very famous person. We know who she is, but I mean, she's she's made a career of the same role. She's a Jewish actress pretending to be a Hispanic mom. Yes, and it gets very Hispanic. Okay, uh, the font on the opening credits is Comic Sans. I just need to point that out <laughs> because that's what I just need to point out. Um, of course, I addressed all the stereotypes. This whole movie is about stereotypes and clicks and whatever. So they get to high school, their first day of high school, and they're like, we're going to be the best of friends. And they do like even like best friends forever and like do like hands in thing before they go in, which annoyed me. Um, they go to Head Bitch whose name is Meredith, I believe. Uh, Is that like a prefix, the head bitch? Head bitch? (laughs) All my notes say head bitch. (laughs) I did not bother to learn her name. I'm pretty sure it's Meredith, but it is head bitch. Um, It is Meredith. Yes, that's it. Chelsea Kane, who's been in other things, I think. But it's head bitch. So head bitch uh, has like bragging to her friends about how she has organized all these seating arrangements by click. So there's the loners, there's the goth kids, there's the, who have some overlap, I'm sure. There's the jocks, there's the cheerleaders, there's the smart kids, nerds, and stuff like that. Um, and then we go to John Voight. John Voight is the principal mm. and head bitch's dad. Ah. Uh, the first thing we see with him is he is reading a book called Prison for Dummies. What? Just in case you didn't know that high school is a prison, we've got this ham-fisted, just prison for dummies book that he is reading. Maybe he's like reading up on it after his brief time at uh, Camp Green Lake. No, head bitch gave it to him as a present so that he could follow along with her click ways. Ugh, I hate it when kids parent the parent. Yep. Also, we got some thunder in my area. Oh, that's thunder. Is oh, that what goodies. that is? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can hear yeah. that? Yeah, that's thunder. Okay, no yeah, way. that's what we're hearing something, yeah. Sorry. Um, 
so this launches us into a montage showing us how great these four are at their things, but not the four. It's just the three of them. So I want to talk about this montage. There is a terrible CGI science project done by um, uh, Jade. Jade. I'm not going to be able to keep them straight. Mm. Um, There's a crazy cheerleading performance by Sasha. And finally, Chloe on the soccer field does a bicycle kick. Hey, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> Dude, that's that's tight. Is that your brat, Mitchell? Dude. Is that who you identify with right yeah, now? That, that's Getting my some favorite Luke one. vibes over here. I mean, <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they also show us in the uh, montage that we know that Yasmin wants to sing, but she doesn't want to put herself through it. So she's just staring into the choir room like, oh, I want to sing. Baby. And oh. she accidentally walks into somebody who is a deaf person. Um, we don't learn his name at this time, so I don't have it until farther down the list. Uh, but she's like talking to him and he like talks. Um, I'm going to say typical is what I will say. It's right. not normal. You know, it's it's typical. So he's not your stereotype deaf person. And she apologizes and he can't understand her because she's not looking at him and he can read lips really well. Yeah. And so he's just like, sorry, I'm deaf. Like, typical voice and everything like that. And she's like, you don't sound deaf. And he goes, well, you don't look ignorant, but you can't judge a book, right? And walks <laughs> away. And that is the best line of the entire movie. Dude, that co- that line goes hard. I love it. Dude, I'm going to use that on some look yeah. <laughs> I'm so stealing that line. Do it. Oh, I, have a, I have a note of holy damn owned. <laughs> Does that line feel out of place in this movie? Yes, very. Okay, because it definitely does. And even with this character, like, it just feels out of place. You learn more about him, and it's just like, oh, oh, come on, man. I I hope he was, like, practicing in the mirror, if that's the character. Oh, no, I just have images of this actor, like, staring at the mirror, getting ready. Yeah. Cute. (laughs) Um, Give him a montage. So, basically, then it goes to lunchtime, and they're all like, okay, we're going to sit together. And so, like, they climb, they go together or whatever, and... All of a sudden, the cliques are asking for them. The cheerleaders want Sasha to join them. The nerds want Jade to join them. The uh, uh, soccer girls want Chloe to join them. And who's left? Yasmin, our main character, pretty much, because she's the one that gets the most time and they want you to feel the worst for. And then it jumps ahead two years. Two years? Two years. Wow. And somehow head bitch is still in high school. I don't know how, because she obviously has some kind of ranking where she's at the top. She's not a freshman, too, that's already implemented this thing. Hmm. She's got to be somehow there. Maybe uh, she failed secretly. And she, maybe. Or she knew that life doesn't get better after high school. And she, just, she doesn't want to admit her peak. <laughs> right. Uh, this movie brings up a talent show, and you just know where it's going to go. They're going to form a band or something to win the talent show, right? Hell yeah. Maybe. Well, that's spoilers. We'll get to there. Uh, but in order to compete in the talent show, you need to post your audition on MySpace. Oh, Just shout out outdated to technology. Oh, wow. tech alert. I think um, that's outdated even for 2007. Seven. Is this when this came out? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Like even Facebook was definitely the thing. So, yep. Mm, mm. yep. So um, we also learned uh, the deaf kid wants to learn music. So there's an awfully awkward like DJ thing with the music teacher where it teaches him to like feel the beat on the speaker and then he can like D 
DJ while he's feeling it. And it's just super awkward and like uncomfortable. Is that not how sound vibrations work? Mm. Oh my god. You know goodness. what? I've never been deaf. So I can't really tell you. Because isn't that like did you ever see the movie Mr. Holland's Opus? Because isn't his son deaf? And you know, the, the whole thing is that his character John T. Right, uh it's something Macy. Um what are we talking about? Do we William cost? H William H. William Macy. H. Macy in Mr. Oh. Holland's Opus. He's like a musician. He's either a musical teacher or something like that. But his son is deaf and he can't connect with him. And then they have a breakthrough. And I thought it was like the son could feel the vibrations of the music. You're way beyond me on this. Okay. I have no clue. Okay. I don't yes. know. It sounds kind of too daredevil-y to me, but I, I don't even know. Well, our, our four her heroines um, get into a bit of an argument with each other because Chloe is a klutz and is talking to head bitch's ex-boyfriend. Or no, boyfriend at this point. Um, so Chloe is like awkwardly together with the boyfriend, but not really. Um, head bitch sends her dog who is just on campus to go like attack her and make her trip. She drops spaghetti on Yasmin, who then like falls on a skateboard to send spaghetti onto Sasha, who gets really mad and throws it at Yasmin, but ends up hitting Jade. And of course, it starts a food fight because, you know, that's what it does. Uh, and why do all of them have spaghetti? That's what I want to know. It was spaghetti day in the yeah, cafeteria. It's a, you got a carbo load. They're getting ready for a long run the next day. I think that's what you got to do. No, so, they're growing. They're growing girls. They're growing girls, Mike. Like, and you ever think about that? They're growing brats. I also want to <laughs> know. So when she slips on the skateboard, there's a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. That's like, amazing. I don't know where it just, Wah! Um, they get, uh, they accidentally knock over the principal's statue. He puts them in detention. Um, they say friendship a few times trying to figure out why they, uh, um, why they can't basically be friends again. Somebody threw spaghetti at somebody else. Well, and they, they kind of like figure it out in detention. They're like, okay, we're going to break the system. We're going to break the clicks, blah, blah, blah. Um, I have some notes. They still are covered in food. Nobody let them clean off or get new clothes or anything like that. Uh, they call each other bimbets. Bimbets. Which is a great term. Bimbets. Bimbets. Um, okay. That was right over the house. Is this PG? Is this? I'm pretty this, sure it's got to be. It's not G. It's not G. Is <laughs> wow, it? I was going to say, it's a little spicy. I mean, it could be. Spicy what does IMDb say it is? I don't know. I'm pulling it up. It's uh, PG. PG. An hour and 50 minutes of my life has gone to this movie. Oh, well, that's not too bad. Good for them. <laughs> get in, get out. We're good. Yeah. Uh, they create Operation Mingle, which Ooh. is to get everybody to mingle with each other. Is that a dating? It sounds like a dating app, to be fair and honest. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's a part where Bobby and Yasmin are singing in the room because they're happy they're friends again. And they're singing La Cucaracha. Wait, isn't Bubby and Yasmin mother and daughter? Yes. So they're who are they were not friends. What did they not become friends or were the brats? No, no, not no. That the brats were not friends. They spent two years not talking to each other and realized they're not friends anymore. And then after this detention, they figured out Operation Mingle, and uh -huh. now they're celebrating and singing La Cucaracha together. Because it's royalty free. That's why. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that's that's the real reason. <laughs> uh, Yasmin's brother records it. This comes back later. Don't worry. Um, 
Do, do, do. Okay, I had a note about uh, Cameron is the head bitch's boyfriend. Uh, he is ugly in this movie, like really oh. ugly. But IMDb, he got hot, he, like he, real hot. He, he, he long bottomed. Yes, he long bottomed hard. Wait, what's what's the guy's name? Cameron is the character. Oh, um, Stephen Ford. Stephen Ford. Yes. Stephen Ford. Okay. Yes, Stephen Ford. I want to take a look. Yes, yeah, I will post okay, a picture yeah. on her. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's in Teen Wolf. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. IMDb suggests if you liked this movie to watch Baby Geniuses, the TV series. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm very good. <laughs> um, That's great. You what did else get happened? Um, okay, so Yasmin's younger brother basically goes over to Head Bitch's house because he has a crush on Head Bitch's sister, Cherish. 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 That is yes. a horrible name. Yes, Cherish. Um, so he goes over and basically head bitch realizes he has something on his phone. So she starts like pretend flirting with him. Uh, she's in the middle of a pool and wants him to come over to like show him or show her this video. Um, he walks in in a leather jacket into the pool and like shows the phone to her of them doing La Cucaracha. She has a flash drive with blackmail on everybody, and this is how she's gained control. We just learned about this flash drive. I don't think she understands how a flash drive works. Because she doesn't... Do people know how flash drives work by 2007? Yes. Not because of that, but because he has a phone, she has a flash drive. (laughs) Oh, no. And she wants to get the video on the flash drive. How? Just gonna upload a, it. You somewhere. need a you need a computer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a couple of ca- like cable. You know. He's also yeah. in the middle of a pool. This is a bad idea because like that phone's not waterproof. I, I, like, I really I, I don't know how this works. I, I don't at all. I feel like that Game Boy cable is gonna be in play here. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Like the, the old like yeah. multiplayer cable, bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, how old is? The bro- is Yasmin's brother, and how we don't know. And- he's not in high school. That's what Ew, we know. And she's flirting with him. No, That's- she's using him. I know she's using him, but she's still flirting with like a innocent person. I guess Uh-oh. I don't know. Uh oh. Yeah, if this was on the flash drive, she'd be busted. <laughs> <laughs> she'd oh, no. be. Uh, she would be one of the vic- one of the people in the that episode of Black Mirror. Um, Shut up and dance. Where oh, it's yeah. like oh, you have yeah, to do yeah, horrible okay. things, and we find out what the dude, what the dude actually did. Yeah, it's dude. That was that, that, that was a gut punch of an episode. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now we flash forward. So head bitch wants to throw herself another super sweet sixteen to uh, get on MTV. She's seventeen. Well, no, she is sixteen, but like she had a party like a month ago, oh. and so she wants another one to be like, all right, I'm still the popular bitch. Uh, the line can't go to the party i have nothing to wear occurs and we go shopping for like the fourth time in this movie and it makes me wonder i know nothing about brats do they exist only to force little girls to believe that they need to buy everything or go to the mall or whatever they're very they're like so don't quote me anybody on this because i don't know the actual history of why brats were a thing but in like the early aughts mid-aughts Barbie came out with a line called the Miocene line. And it was like aimed at go-getting early 2000, mid-2000, like teens, young women 
and they were very like fashionable. And I think Bratz was like, oh, okay, we see what you're doing there. We're going to do the same thing, but we're going to do more like street, street wear, street fashion, high street okay. fashion. Okay. So like they were definitely a fashion forward doll. Mm-hmm. Um, so clothing was a big deal. Okay. Well, yeah, they, they bring it up a lot. So I figured that's what it was. <laughs> it's a girl movie. Of course they're going to go shopping. Um, I don't remember exactly what happens in this, but uh, we learned that the deaf kid's name is Dylan. And the only note I have is Yasmin's kind of a dick to Dylan. Mm. So uh, I don't good. know what she did. Uh, and this is so at the Sweet 16 party, we learn why she can no longer sing in front of people, why she gets stage fright. She can't sing in front of people because in kindergarten, she threw up while singing. In kindergarten. In kindergarten. She has to let that go. Those are formative years, though, man. I don't know. Yeah, they are. That could spar you. So in fifth grade, I was in church choir, and I locked my knees and passed out in front of people. Wow. This was still in choir all of junior high and all of high school and two years of college. Good for you, man. Axel Rose? Oh, wait. Oh, we're talking about you. Yes. You. You, Mike. Well, congratulations yeah. for coming over, for hurdling your trauma. I'm just you saying, did. I don't think that should have been that formative at kindergarten. Oh, true enough. But I don't know, man. Throwing up, that sounds like, uh, that sounds that sounds like gross. a lot for this young woman right there. That's no good. Do we see the vomit? Like, again. No, we, we do not see anything. She, it's, a, it's a told story. It is oh, not a flashback story. It is a told story. So, so they're telling, not showing. Great. That's a yes. hallmark of a great film. Yes. yes. You have a screen in front of you. Why would you want to see that? Yeah. Well, I mean, Don't people like fluids. to watch people throw up? Like, isn't that like how uh, Jackass got famous or something? Yeah, that's a whole I mean, YouTube I, genre now. Absolutely. I don't want to watch people throw up. I like people getting hurt. Like, yeah, that's, that's my favorite too. part of Jackass. I can't wait for Jackass 4, by the way. That will oh, be a man. future movie on this podcast. That yes, reminds will. me. Oh, if you like Jackass, I should uh, forward you a really great article about uh, Johnny Knoxville and like yes. him looking oh, back please. on his career. Mm. Uh, Jackass 3, please. we went to the midnight showing, so I am all on board for this. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's happening. Well, that um, was perfect for us, Mike. That was college for us. That was, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was, it right was great. in our wheelhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the Super Sweet 16 party, we learned that Chloe's mom is a caterer. She's not feeling well. And so the girls, of course, offer to help. And then, of course, the people can't uh, make it to the catering event. So the girls, again, help. Meredith's just being a bitch because she wants to be a bitch. So she makes them wear clown outfits. Fast Mm. forward 30 seconds later, and they have made it their own, and it's fashion clown forward. And they're, like, having a great time and blah, blah, blah. And (sighs) my question for this whole movie... Uh, comes to one point. There's a lot that I cared about in this movie. Um, one of the things I cared about was, does John Voight remember any of his lines? Why do you say that? Because his character, every single thing is, um, um, why are you being mean to these girls, sweetie? Um, <laughs> um, shouldn't they be your friends? Um um he's literally saying um he literally says um um like before each line or at least one of them maybe he wanted to try his hand at being uh christopher walken he's not christopher walken he's terrible Uh, there's a if if, yeah i I was just gonna say that is something that spike lee had 
done and she's got to have it as Mars Blackman. And the reason why his character stutters in it is because he was trying to remember his lines as he was speaking. <laughs> so he would repeat the first word of the line over and over again. That became a quirk, but it was actually him trying to remember his lines. John Voight, who's an Oscar winning actor, I believe, or at least nominated. Definitely this nominated, but winning? I don't know. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, cash that check, homie. I don't know how much he, he won for best. In a, yeah, he won for best in a leading role. Okay, great for him. But anyway, that is insane to me that that is the case. <laughs> yes, it is, is really bad. I mean, like, it's an obvious cash grab situation. He did not try at all. Um, <laughs> also, one of my favorite stories of forgetting the line is still about Zoolander, where, uh, do you know the why male models thing? Yeah. So, do you know the story behind it, though? No, not the story. No. Oh, so, like, he says, so he says the line, but... Why male models? Right. And like they go through the whole thing and blah, 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 and whatever. He forgot the line and just went back like they would they would go back to the beginning or try again. And so he goes, but why male models? <laughs> and they left it in. Told- <laughs> and they left it in because it, it was better for the character. It was so funny. It's yeah. it's just a great laugh, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Can we talk about that movie? Anyway, keep no, going. we can't. I just rewatched the original talk about Zoolander 2, it sounds like. That could be we already long. did. Uh, we we did. already talked That's about right. Zoolander 2. Oh, my God. You're right. Oh. All right. Holy so, uh, keep going. She, she has a circus-themed birthday. Uh, she ends up getting knocked into the pool because of the girl's fault. This is Meredith. This is the head bitch. bitch. Yes. Yes. Head bitch gets knocked into the pool. And she says the line... That is the ultimate roll credits. She goes, you, you, brats. Oh, oh hey, wow. hey, there roll it is. Credits. Uh, roll credits. Put that up there with uh, Christopher Walken in Country Bears. It's not over yet. Uh, what Bears. A- <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. So, so you, it, you, brats. Um, and then, so basically we flash forward uh, to. You said flash forward a lot. Yes. Oh, they don't care to explain anything. They're done with this scene, so they just move to the next scene. The next scene, scene, the next scene they've realized um, they need to compete in the talent show because Chloe is desperate. She lives with a single mother and she's not going to be able to go to college. So they need to win a talent show because the winners get a scholarship and they're going to give it to Chloe. And so they decide that they're going to form a band and they're going to force Yasmin to sing because she has the best voice. Supposedly. And what do you think the band name is? Brats with the a Z. The Bits. Brats with a Z. Yeah. Because Chloe Not walks, they're trying to find a name for their band and Chloe walks up while they're discussing and goes, what's up, Brats? Mm-hmm. Brats. As, as Ooh, women do. Brats. Oh my God. Blah, 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 yes. blah. Um, Meredith is blackmailing, or head bitch is blackmailing Chloe because when her mom worked for her, things disappeared. And she's telling this to Yasmin. So Yasmin basically pulls out of the talent show. Um, There's another MySpace reference. I don't remember what it is, but I just wanted to make sure that we know there's two of them. Um, I wonder if Tom had a guest spot in this. Oh, I know. What happened to Tom? Where's my boy? I also wanted to be known this movie could have ended four times already. (laughs) The Return of King. The Return of the King of Return of Kings. Return of yes. Kings. The Return of King. Yes. Of, that, uh... <laughs> that's the Tommy Wiseau version of yes. Return of the King. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Oh, that'd be hilarious. The fellowship's all Tommy. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, you uh, have my axe <laughs> and I my bow. I can't carry you. I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you, Mar. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> We what need to make this happen. happen. <laughs> I would give up my life savings to film this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You yeah. shall not pass. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't know how to do. Like, I feel like when it came to Gollum or Schmeagle, it was just. Oh my god. Tommy was so don't, Gollum. Don't please. tell him you're recording and yeah. just have him exist in the universe and that's he's, Gollum. He's still gonna wear all the chains and whatnot. Because <laughs> chains all rings, man. <laughs> <laughs> my god. Yeah, okay. We got our we got our next project. Uh give Tommy Wiseau five hundred thousand dollars to make his Lord of the Rings trilogy. Perfect. Let's do it. Lord of the Wiseaus. <laughs> yes. We've got Vampire Boys Three and Lord of the Wiseaus. I would move ahead the Wiseau's idea ahead of Vampire Boys. I would move too. I feel like he's already thinking about it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> we have another logo for the uh, shop that's coming eventually. Hey. All these fake movies we're making. Dude, this one I want to be real. Yeah, I do I'm getting Tommy on the phone right now. If we have his agent, or he's probably his own agent, let's be real. Mm, let's yeah, go right. ahead and get this thing made. I think we could find Tommy Wiseau's number somewhere in the universe and get him on the on the phone. Guys, I don't see why we just don't do our own fan film of all of us being Tommy Wiseau. Oh my god, and doing it easy yes. because none of us can do as good an accent as Andre, and then we all look bad. Why don't we just face. have Andre do it all? Oh We're yes, just, that's a lot. Andre do it all. Yes, oh. this is how we do it. I we'll just, we'll just do pivotal agent. scenes. Yeah, we'll just do yeah, pivotal scenes. Contact your agent, Andre. We'll hammer out the details. Putting Don't a worry. Lot of, putting a lot of onus on me to carry this performance, man. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> well, just think about it this way. You will deliver nine, at least nine, really great performances. That's just the core fellowship. Then we got to include Elrond, Galadriel, Sauron, Saur- Saruman. You got to be uh, the Thwangwil so you can say it was real. So we're going to do some <laughs> Hobbit stuff. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, Okay, yeah, finish this Brad Stock. Let's get back to Brad. Let's, let's finish this movie. How did we get so off the rails? Um, so basically, Yasmin's out because she feels like they would blackmail. Uh, they would get blackmailed and they'd all be embarrassed. Scene later, hey, who cares if she's blackmailing us? We've got a talent show to win. He recovered quickly. Right yep. on. Uh, right on. They made a huge deal. I also want to... I, I wanted to point out as well, every time Head Bitch opens the flash drive and made a computer beep, like a boop. Uh, Wait, she did that herself? No. Like, oh, oh like, okay. A, thought, like a sound happened every time she opened the flash drive, so they don't know how flash drives work. Oh, gotcha. Well, you have to know that the, the technology is being used. I mean, how else could you? I know you got it in the right way. Well, so uh, basically she opens the flash drive, puts it out on the screen, and all their stuff gets blackmailed out there and blah, blah, blah. And they defend themselves in the middle of the talent show, just like, well, I did this because this and this. And like, my mom didn't steal from you, you bitch, you did, and blah, 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 and whatever. And like, it's just everything's okay. Uh, The divorced parents get back together during the middle of this jaunty tune that happens, which is called, called Bratitude. Is the name of the song? Was uh, it catchy? No. Yeah, and it was definitely lip synced. 
Oh, don't do that. Definitely lipstick. Don't do that. Uh, yeah, the divorced parents somehow get together. Uh, they made a huge deal of Def Dylan being able to DJ, but there definitely wasn't a single part of this song that was DJed. Okay. Like, none of it. Oh. And so, like, it was just not a big deal. It just dropped. Uh, obviously, DJ Dylan slash DJ Def Dylan uh, loved Yasmin, so they get together. Chloe and Cameron, Cameron being the boyfriend of head bitch, they get together. Wait, were they like setting that up that they were like into each other? Or is it yes, just like they were setting each other? Okay. They, they were setting it up the whole time. Uh, but what they were not setting up was Jade gets together with her head science partner because they're nerds and cute. And then Sasha's they're just fair. happy because her parents got together again. She doesn't get a boyfriend. She does not get a boyfriend. Um, also, I wanted—I forgot to bring this up. The head cheerleader of Sasha's cheer squad wears mm-hmm. a tiara the entire movie. A tiara? What? A tiara. Oh. Yeah, I want to I call him the dude who wore cat ears every day just because he could. So why not? Yep. I have three more notes for this. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, how much did John Voight get paid for this? Because it must have been a lot because he had to yes. say yes because he did not have a good time the entire time. Aww. He didn't look. He didn't look like he was having a having a fun time. He, he was not having fun. Maybe he did the movie for the grandkids. Maybe, but I doubt too. it. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking too. I don't know. Um, what else do I got? Um, so, oh yes, so the deciding factor. So the deciding vote, the talent show winner gets. I can't remember what the first thing was, but the second thing was the scholarship, and that was the important thing. They tie. What? Head bitch gets whatever the first prize was that I can't remember. And the brats get the scholarship. So Chloe can go to college and everything's okay. Hey. Right? That's 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 what we wanted. But <laughs> <laughs> well, college isn't wanted. gonna be important for these girls because it just so happens the president of MTV was at this high school talent show oh, and wants to offer them a contract. Oh, spare me. That's awful. They're- oh, they're gonna be on uh, Brett. Uh, what was not Flavor of Love? The other one. Um, Flavor of Love. No, no they're getting Brett, a contract as Brett a band. Uh, wait, MTV does bands. Oh, I they yeah, did dating Ma- shows. No, they did making. Yeah, making the band with P Diddy. Absolutely. Uh, well, Which for me was iconic, like made into an icon because of Dave Chappelle. I, um, I know it's hard to believe, Jill, but MTV stands for Music Television. They do yeah. have recording artists. They used to. They used to. <laughs> 2007, at least. R.I.P. to those days. TRL, yeah. what's up? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, they got a recording contract, so the Brats can now be an album somewhere, somehow, and definitely lip-synced. Oh, they really are like the Cheetah Girls. Yeah. They, it, yeah. So. Mike, you're so in on this movie. Uh, like, that I'm is so Brats happy movie. for you. I bet I'm, you're going to name your future daughter Yasmin. Or another one. Another one of them. Of all of them. Of of all of them, I would say the most. Give her three, four first names. Two first names, two middle names. The most realistic of them all is probably Jade. So that would probably be if I were to name my daughter after any of them, which is still a zero chance possibility. It would probably be Jade. Okay. Hmm. But and I also want to say how um, this is my third and final note. This entire movie was about fashion. They never look good. 
Wow. 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 They never look fashionable. Whoa. Whoa. Well, well, okay, Shots keep in mind fired. that this is 2007, right? I mean, fashion surely is way different now than it was back then, right? For high school girls, no. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, was anybody wearing like a skinny scarf and no, too many belts? Was, uh, there was maybe too many belts. I don't remember that exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, none of them looked fashionable in my idea of fashion. Um, and I'm, I'm not a high fashion person, as I say, sitting in gym shorts and a t-shirt. Like it's, it's not me sitting here going, oh yeah, I am I mean, definitely the most movie, fashionable person. This movie's only, would you say this movie's trying to lean into the mean girls? Yes. 100%. I mean, the, the started with the fact that there's clicks for everything. Yeah. You know, the, the, we had the plastics. These were definitely, like, the head bitch was leader of the plastics. Mm. So, you know, it, it's trying to be Mean Girls. It fails miserably. Um, I'm going to show you guys a picture on my phone here while on the camera. Uh, and you tell me, is this hot fashion? If you can see. I mean, mm. I like the skirt and belt look. On the one on the far right. Oh, I, that's totally of the era. Yeah, totally right. Yeah. <laughs> it is of the era. Yeah? Right. I'm looking at like the the I guess the movie the cover that would be on the V the VHS. The so DVD. that's Jade. That was the fashionable one. Oh, you know, she's doing her job. You I don't know, know. I'm seeing some capri pants. What I also the... didn't get is like they were dressing for like three different temperatures. Chloe was always wearing long sleeves and jeans. Uh, the rest of them were wearing like some kind of shorts, and Yasmin always had a jacket. Maybe, maybe he hasn't runs cold, you know? We don't know. I, I guess. But I mean, still, I mean, it's, ca it's California, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. But a lot of AC. They have it's, AC in California. I mean, it's we all sun sure all the time. Like, every, <laughs> we every, sure every, do. Every shot is just bright sunshine, like, trying to make you feel good and everything Don't like you know that. it doesn't rain in California either? Mm-hmm. Well, we need the rain. That's the unfortunate part. <laughs> oh, we, we desperately need it. <laughs> yep. All right, so I guess I'll give it a final rating. I'm going to probably, yeah, give it a 0 0.25 out of 5. 0.25. Yes. Uh, music teacher inspirational speeches. Not montages? I feel like there was a lot of montages. There was a lot of montages. You know what? Sure. 0 0.25 montages out of 5. It was, okay. yeah, no, no. They made a movie. But I can't give it to Mitchell Zero because they made it half-assed movie. Wow. They got John Voight. Yep. I, I think that alone, like, the casting department deserves some kind of award for <laughs> somehow wrangling him into this. Right. Like, that, that's no small feat. I don't – they must have had some blackmail on this dude. And they're like, they had a flash drive. They had a flash drive. They had a flash drive, and there was some bad stuff on there. So they're like, "Hey, we're gonna release this unless you do our shitty movie." And sure enough, that's yeah. exactly what they did. It's a flash drive uh, connected to a phone. I just did a fellowship of ring of poster art for us. If we do want to go ahead, and I love I love movie. the fellowship of ring. Oh wow, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna need a lot of different Tommy Wiseaus. We need it. We need oh I need God. this in my life. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll make that a thing. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Um, we're gonna give a shout out to our friend in the hashtag the Illuma Potty. 
that got the uh, clues right for watching the Bratz movie. I posted three clues. Uh, if you want your promo in the show, try to guess ahead what our bad movie is. This is Rippin' on the Rock. It is a rock and lull podcast. Uh, their first season was all about the music of Kid Rock and Rippin' on the Rock. There you go. Uh, and their second season that they're currently doing is all about new metal. It is hysterical. It is a fun time. Definitely check them out. Here's the promo for Rippin' on the Rock. What's up, rap rockers, showstoppers, dreadlockers, babyface Memphis Reigns, here to tell you about Rippin' on the Rocks, brand spanking new series, Dreaded New Metal. Yes! As the name suggests, we'll be tackling all your favorite 90s and early 2000s new metal bands where at least one of the members had dreads. Remember how that was a thing? Yeah! Time to bring it back. Seriously? In this new nine-part series, you'll be hearing us make fun of some of the greats. Rage Against the Machine, a.k.a. Radom, a.k.a. Rage, a.k.a. Reggae Against the Bordello of Morello. Spray on a farmer tan because we're shucking that Bakersfield bumper crop. Corn. Boom, doctor. Sharpen your finest shovel because we're digging all the ditches with Robert Zombie. We'll also cover some of the not-so-greats. Get your GED with Head PE, Higher Education Planet Earth, whatever that means. Abandon all hope on a rope when we just say yes to dope. The band. And check those gag reflexes for saliva. Oh no. Getting excited yet? Prove it. You damn well better be. We're going to make you laugh till you have a coughing fit and people have to ask if you are okay. Dreaded New Metal debuts June 9th. Please, Louise, that's next hickin' week. So what do you say, brother? Join me, Eleanor-obsessed Memphis Reigns, the very literate John Milton, and Cyrus the Virus's worst nightmare, Cameron Poe, on June 9th for dreaded new metal. We'll be waiting. Check us out on rotrpodcast.com. That's rotrpodcast.com. That was the promo for Ripping on the Rock. We appreciate them entirely for guessing our movie. It brings us to our segment, hashtag cash or trash. Uh, Mitchell, you're the one that's starting us off, and it seems like you're going somewhere. So hopefully you can still talk yeah. while going somewhere. Yeah, because I'm picking this up because this isn't your typical cash or trash, which we typically have done for streaming shows or movies. Yeah. Um, and we just give a yes or no. Okay. This one is actually a little book of mine that Ooh, I want nice. to give a cash or trash to. Oh, and it's it. because it is based on a movie. It is written by, what's his name? Quentin Tarantino. Anyway. <laughs> oh, so, oh, right, right. Very niche guy. I've, I've very niche guy, very in his own element. And I don't know if any of you guys have heard of him, but he did make a little movie that I absolutely adored two years ago called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And most recently, a couple weeks ago, he released a paperback novel of the movie and there is a lot more to explore in this universe a lot of people thought that how the movie played out they're like wow this would have been a great miniseries or a great tv show because Mm -hmm. of how long you spend time with the characters and how disinterested with plot that the movie seems to be 
And this is exactly what those people ordered, I think, because it explores the characters a lot more. You have more of a backstory of how they got there. And also okay. this, uh, the narrator for this offers some insight to where these characters end up going after the events of the movie, uh, which is really cool. It's very atmospheric. So if you dug the vibes of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think this is a book for you. It's a very breezy read. I'm about you know, it's a 400 page book. I'm at page 241. I'm a slow reader, but this was done in like three sittings. So for me, it's just like very easy to read. You already know the characters going into it. And it's just living inside of Tarantino's head for just a few more hours. And it's been great so far. So I like cash that. for this. Nice. I like that the cover looks like a book that would have been written in the 60s, early 70s. Yeah, so that was his pitch to the uh, publishing company was that he didn't want a hardback and they are going to release one later, but he wanted the initial print to be a paperback novelization of, of the movie because that's what he grew up reading. Those were the first books that he read were novelizations of whatever movies he saw in the 70s. And that was like, that used to be a really big thing, even for us as novelizations, kids. Novelizations, yes. Yeah. yeah. I read The Lost World, man. Like, oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. Like the actual Lost World or the novelization of the movie? No, right. the actual Lost World before, I guess. Oh, well, all right. So not novelization, I guess. But no, he did. Hmm. Now I may be backing up. Um, I thought he did something before and then he did one based on the story to include more like novelization of the movie. Are you talking Michael Crichton? Like yeah. when he read? Okay. Um, so maybe maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Well, I used to read novelizations all the time. So there we go. Well, this is wonderful. And if you were really into character and how that is written, uh, there is just lovely chapters dedicated to the main stars. Um, you're first introduced to Sharon Tate, not with her landing in LAX after filming a movie. It's with her actually hitchhiking from Texas to get to Hollywood back wow. when she was just starting as an actress. So nice. really cool stuff in here. Nice. Mitchell, I just learned you can read. I know. It's amazing, right? <laughs> Dude, congrats. Congrats, man. I just, I just learned. <laughs> uh, Jill, what do you got for Cash or Trash? I mean, it's a little outdated now, and I talked about it on um, Twitter, uh, but Clarkson's Farm, Jeremy okay. Clarkson's Amazon Prime show, mm -hmm. where he, he already owned the farm, but uh, he owns a massive-ass farm in rural England. And the whole crux of the show is um, his original farmer who took care of the land has retired. So he's like, why not? I'll do it. And what was really interesting is that it was filmed mostly in 2019 mm -hmm. into 2020. So the first like five, four or five episodes, things are going as normal. But of course, it's not normal because Jeremy Clarkson's involved. And then right. there's a whole episode uh, where the pandemic sweeps through but because they're considered an essential um, uh, industry, he can keep, they, they, they're allowed to keep going, but you know, the lockdowns are going through. And it was just really interesting watching this play out, not in real time, but there's no artificiality behind it. Okay. They are tr genuinely reacting to the uncertainty of the pandemic when, um, when things were first coming out. Um, if you like Jeremy Clarkson, if you're a fan of Top Gear, from the the Hammond, May, and Clarkson edition of that, or the Grand Tour, you're going to really enjoy this. Um, so I'm going to say cash. Nice. Andre? 
All right. I am also ba- really, really stretching the limits of, of, of definition of cash or trash here. But uh, last week, I watched a whole lot of speed runs on Summer Games Done Quick 2021 Ooh, on okay. Twitch. And so uh, to catch you guys up, Games Done Quick, it's a Twitch channel. Uh, they run events every, basically every six months, right? And it's like the Olympics of speedrunning, basically. But the catch is, is that all of the pros, basically it's all for charity. So I believe this, let me look at the, the numbers. Um, so basically it's a week long where uh, streamers from various gaming communities come and stream a certain category for their specified video game. And it's, so it's, it's one week straight of just going from game to game to game. Um, and they'll have incentives where you can donate to where, um, like for example, I think for the super Mario 60 or for the, for the legend of Zelda Ogram time speed run, you could donate to pick a certain file name or pick a certain character with this run. And they raised $2.9 million for, uh, doctors without borders. Um, fantastic. Yeah, it was a really, really fun watch. Uh, this Twitch channel, the Games Done Quick, it's still active right now. They, they just stream one-off games and highlighting various members of the community. Very positive, very welcoming community. Like, it's speedrunning in and of itself is this whole entire subculture that I just love looking into from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. I play lots of games. I play them way too casually to ever get at that skill level, but there's just something to be said of watching a man play Super Mario 64 getting 70 stars to beat the game all while wearing a blindfold. Yeah, that uh, was insane. Yeah. And wow. there was just okay. so many hype moments. Um, just, yeah, it's a really well done production. This has been going on for about, I think, almost 10 years now. And nice. it started as this really small thing. And now they've kind of really le- like, they've kind of have a really lean production going where they have really solid commentators to uh, explain to everybody like how exactly tricks are like when people are basically breaking a game in half, they do a really good job of explaining. Here's how insane this trick is. Here's how much effort goes into this. And here's why this is really, really cool. So it's so easy to just jump into the narrative and kind of really root for the streamers to get, get to the end of the game as quickly as possible. Um, nice. Highly, highly recommended. All the all the vods are on YouTube, but uh, the next event would be all the way from G- in, in January 2022. But really, really fun watch, and it's for a great cause. And yeah, just really thankful for games done quick. Fantastic. So I take that as a cash. That is a definite cash. It's a donation, nice. I guess. Really, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's a donation. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Um. Well, as I said earlier in this episode, I watched Fear Street uh, 1994 Part One uh, yesterday. Yesterday I was working from home, so I actually got two movies in. Uh, there's a brand new movie that just came out with Karen Gillan called Gunpowder Milkshake. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Um, it is. I mean, it is a. I think in doing a disservice by calling it the female John Wick, but mm-hmm. you can tell how they take stuff from that. It is very well shot. There's a lot of cool like. Um, scenery that and then like it's it's very choreographed the choreo choreography of the fights are very well done so i think it's a it's an insult to call it the female john wick because it's own thing it's very well done um interesting story um i mean you kind of know where it's going it's not unpredictable but uh overall it was really a lot of fun uh if you want if you want a good action movie to kill a couple hours um you turn your brain off like it is just a lot of fun um karen gillen's excellent the cast is phenomenal um yeah it's it's very well done so i will say that uh gunpowder milkshake 
is cash. Nice. Um, also, in the first five minutes, four milkshakes uh, for milkshakes were drink. Wow. So that's yeah. a lot of milkshakes. That's a lot of milkshakes. If you're wondering where the milkshake comes in, uh, that's where it is. And then obviously lots of gunpowder. <laughs> yes. Uh, that'll do it then, I guess, for uh, episode 35 of Game for a Movie, guys. Ooh, 35. 35. Wow. I know. I when, not... when is this podcast going to hit its midlife crisis? I feel like it's heading there. Mm. I mean, we did just there? make Mike watch a movie for. Oh, I've got one that I'm going to make somebody watch eventually. Because um, a certain movie was on television earlier today that Claire turned on that I forgot existed because I tried to block it out of my head. Mm. And I think I want either Mitchell or Andre to watch it because uh-huh. it kills it's... a certain actor. It's not Indiana Jones. It is not Indiana four. Jones. No. Ah, uh, damn. Okay. okay. No, yeah. it is not. It is not Crystal Skull. I know that one exists, even though I pretend it doesn't. Hmm. Oh, it's Avatar then. Nope. The Avatar. Ooh. The Avatar. Yeah. No. Oh, well, I mean, we we still do want to make Andre watch. I want Avatar. my bingo. I want to watch that with y'all wow. and drink things. Episode forty-five. Yeah. I want to do too. That I want to do. Forty-five. Ten right. episodes from now, we will all do it together. Hey, it doesn't actually have to be 10 episodes for now. We've been sticking to the 15s. If we want to do it, we can do it whenever. Cool. Um, thank you guys for stopping by. Uh, thank you, Jill, for our first game for a movie trailer. Thank hey. you. Hey. Yeah, yeah, you have to check that out. It is on our YouTube channel, which is at Game for a Movie. Um, it is on anywhere you get podcasts for the audio version. Um, the video version, she watched the trailer along, so you can also watch the trailer while she does. The audio version, I got rid of the watch um, just because it doesn't do much if you can't watch the trailer. Um, But yeah, we're going to be doing more like that where a single host takes over and talks about a trailer um, that they either care about, don't care about. Um, I'm going to do one shortly about a certain kids movie. Um, That is your preview for that. Um, But yeah, thank you very much, Joe, for that. If you want to reach us, Game for a Movie on Facebook, Game for a Movie P1 on Twitter, Game for a Movie Podcast on Instagram, I'm pretty sure. It may just be Game for a Movie. I don't remember off the top of my head. That's it. Uh, I've been your host, Mike Butank. I have been joined by, in the same order, Mitchell. Jill. Andre. Thank you guys very much for listening. We'll see you next time on Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm game. Yeah. <laughs> Would you speed run it, Andre? Oh, man. Yeah. Let's do game for a movie, any percent blindfolded. Let's go. Blindfolded. Uh, you don't have to be seeing to be able to do this part. I feel like you can't yeah, do not- the ball gag, though. Oh, guys, I had a blindfold a on gag. this whole movie, Whoa. but I got to say that the visual effects were not up to par. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs>